as you can probably gather, I'm not Mark. Uh, Mark is on a well-deserved vacation. He should be back next week. Um, but that means you are stuck with me preaching. So, um, no, I believe God will use this time to uh, strengthen our relationship with him and strengthen our hearts and minds to, to face whatever the world has for us out, outside of these walls. So as I was talking to Mark, uh, he said I could either pick up in James chapter 2, verse 14, which is where we're going to be this morning. So if you brought your Bibles and want to turn with there uh, with me. He said I could pick up there or I can do my own thing. I decided uh, to keep going in James 1 because I looked on my Bible app and I had like 10 verses highlighted. So I'm like, oh yeah, this is a good one. Um, but then I thought, well, start in verse 14, 26 to the end of the chapter. I'll just finish it out. Um, but as Mark has said several times when we've been going through James, James is jam-packed with a lot of stuff. And so we would have been here three hours if I decided I wanted to do the entire chapter two. Um, and I didn't want to put you all through that. So we are going to be in James chapter two, uh, verses 14 through 17 primarily today. So if you will turn there with me. Oh, we turn there too. It says, starting in verse 14, What use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is it? In the same way, faith also, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Now, as I started to research these verses, as I said, I highlighted them, I knew them, um, you know, I learned from them in the past, but as I started to dive deeper into this, there's a lot of controversy surrounding these verses in James, and not only these verses in James, but the entire book of James as a whole. Uh, Martin Luther, who's the leader of the Protestant Reformation, uh, the separation of the Catholic Church, he did not like James so much that he wanted to remove it from the canon of Bible because uh, it contradict what he thought contradicted some other scripture, and he referred to it as sawdust and twigs, saying that it really had no foundation. But what I want to talk about this morning is how this whole idea of faith versus works, which is get which one gets you to heaven, which one doesn't. Um, I want to talk about the fact that we don't need to separate those two. Those two things should be in unison; they should be together, uh, because our faith goes with our works, and our works go with our faith. And so if you will turn with me again to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8, we'll dive deeper into this and kind of see the other side of the argument of, a, of faith. You need faith alone. And if you have trouble finding Ephesians, what I've taught youth groups and kids for years is that it's go eat popcorn. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, you're right in the E. So let that be a... You learn nothing else from this morning. That's what you get. Uh, so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So if we stopped right there, there's our answer. Faith is not a result of works, so faith is key, right? But let's keep reading just for fun. Verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for, what, what does that say? Good works, 
which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. So, so faith is something that is a gift from God, and it, we were created to do these good works. So that's just one example of how these two things go hand in hand. You can't have faith if you're not putting it into practice. If you put these things into practice and don't have faith, well, you're just doing a bunch of good in the world. And so most people would see these verses and see that they contradict them. That might turn them off to this whole idea of Christianity altogether. And then we look at the life of Jesus and we see how he laid it out. And, and this is just one of the many examples I could keep you here for three hours, just going through the gospel and seeing how many times Jesus mentions faith. Uh, it's a lot. Let me just give you that. Um, but what I found interesting is every time Jesus healed someone or someone was healed by something Jesus did, um, he would say something along the lines of, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you, not I, Jesus, have healed you. Your faith has healed you. And he always would follow it up with a, an action. Now go and go back home, go in peace. Um, and so it would never stop at our faith. Their faith healed them. Yes, that was maybe the beginning of their spiritual journey of faith, but there was more to it. Jesus never stopped at faith. He always wanted more. He always called them to go, to go in peace, to go and not tell anybody, to go and tell someone, to go back home. There was more to it than just faith. So both are essential, both are important. And so we've talked about how faith um, is a gift from God. And, and thank goodness we can't do this on our own because that's too much of a burden to bear for him to send his son on the cross to die for us. Also, we see that faith is very powerful. As these verses said, it's our faith that healed us. He didn't say Jesus healed them. Your faith has healed you. And so faith is a very powerful thing. Faith was able to heal people. It was able to feed the 5,000. It was able to do these insurmountable miracles um, because of faith. In fact, the, there's a verse in the Gospels that say, the faith the size of a mustard seed could move mountains. That is a powerful thing to have and a powerful thing for us to receive. And so we, we've looked at Jesus, we've looked at Paul, we looked at James, and we see these different um, you know, conversations about faith and works and how they work together. And so today what I want to do is I want us to talk about things that strengthen our faith and then strength, things that strengthen the faith of those around us. But before we do that, I, th I think it's important to note that we're all on this spiritual journey. Um, some of us are right at the beginning. Some of us have uh, just made the decision to follow Jesus, or maybe we're not even there yet. Maybe we're here or listening online because we don't know about this whole Christianity thing, and we're looking for answers and stuff like that. If that's you, feel free to call the church or talk to one of us because that's why we're here. We want you um, to, to understand what this faith is all about. There are some that have been in this church longer than I have been alive and have followed God faithfully throughout the years and so some of us are still on this milk. And I have two kids. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And some, they don't eat. They're very picky. They don't eat a lot of solid food. But even just thinking in that aspect, these babies are getting nutrients and growing and learning and maturing. And they started off only on milk. And then we get to, to me and other adults and people that can, you know, stomach food. And we're on these steak dinners. 
And these steak dinners are delicious, and we love them, but we wouldn't be able to enjoy these steak dinners if we didn't first enjoy the milk. And just like our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with faith, we have to start at the beginning with these foundational things. And so this first list I'm going to give you, the works that strengthen our faith, it's going to be a bunch of church answers. I'm just going to prepare you. But they're foundational, and they're so important for us as we follow Jesus, as we are on this faith journey. Um, And in Hebrews 5, it says that um, those that are only on the milk will not grow and mature. But it doesn't say we ever get to stop drinking the milk and going back to these foundational truths. Should they look different than right when we became a Christian? Absolutely. As our faith grows and matures, so do our practices need to grow and mature. And so these five things, the first one is prayer. Um, In one of my sermons I gave, I talked extensively about prayer, so I won't dive too deep into it, but we need to be in a constant state of prayer. Whether for you that's reading your Bible, or not reading your Bible, that's the next one, um, keeping a prayer journal, or maybe you go on walks and talk to God audibly, I had the privilege and the weird thing of being in this church by myself a lot this week. So I know, party. Um, But something I like to do is I like to come in here, I would turn on this light of Jesus, and I would just sit in the front row. And I sat in here and I prepared my sermon, and I would just pray. And if anyone was walking the halls of the church, they probably would have thought I was crazy because I was praying out loud. Um, But that is a way I have found to connect with God is by staring literally at Jesus' face and talking to him. Um, For me, I also love to take walks. I know it's starting to get nice out. Today is probably not the best day to do this. Uh, But taking walks in nature and just talking with God. Um, So whatever your way of connecting with God uh, through prayer is, find that. And we need to be constantly in prayer. The next day, as I already said, is reading our Bible. If you're not going through your Bible in a year plan, I encourage you to do so. Um, It's so great and it's such a blessing to dive into this, not only by myself, but together. Um, I will admit I'm behind a little bit but I'm still going forward. I'm hopefully going to catch up sometime this week. But this book, as we read scripture and learn about what Jesus has to teach us, this book is is instrumental in that. And so if you're not reading through the Bible, um, find a place to start. If this is too daunting of a task for you, um, I encourage you to start with John. John's a great way to start reading, um, to dive into the word of God and to read about the gospel message. Um, also, the Bible app, uh, if you have the Bible app on your phone, there's so many great plans and things on there uh, to dive into the Word as well if you're looking for a specific topic. So, works that strengthen our faith. We need to be praying. We need to be reading our Bible. Uh, going to church. Congratulations. You did it. You're here. You're at church. Those of you online, you're still at church too. Um, going to church is so essential part of being a Christian, because we're surrounded by people who love and encourage and discipline us when necessary, but it helps us grow and mature in our faith, because we're seeing people that have been doing it for a very long time, and those of us that have just started. Um, It's so good to learn from those around us, to gain that wisdom and understanding, and also just the fellowship with one another. I loved that usually when the countdown's getting toward a minute, it gets really quiet, but this week it didn't get quiet. You all were still talking to each other. And I love that. Uh, God made for us to be in community with the, uh, one another, um, which is why we celebrate communion. It's just another way we are meant to be together. And so one way to do that is by coming to church and being a part of this, uh, this life, this 
um, experience with everybody else. And I understand the last year has been tough. Uh, COVID, health things, some of us have had to quarantine, I've had to quarantine, um, but being in church and being here together uh, has been so good since we we're starting to get back to normal. But I don't want anyone online to think I'm judging them for not being in the building. I understand the health concerns and everything, but still be engaged with those around us. Um, as you've heard me say many times, we've been blessed with technology. Uh, we're able to call people across the world in an instant. We can do a video chat. We can do text. We can do anything uh, to connect with one another, even if we're not allowed to be in the same room. All right, so praying, reading our Bible, going to church, a lot of church answers. Um, using our gifts and talents to serve others, whether in the church or not. And I got to say, East Union is killing it in this regard. Um, as I was preparing this and I wrote this down, I thought of dozens of ways you all have jumped in and started serving. Um, the reason I'm able to be here and preach and not be back in children's church is because we have volunteers um, who are able to jump in, who are willing to jump in and hang out with your kids for an hour and teach them the good news of Jesus. And I don't have to worry about anything they're doing because I know they got it covered. Uh, the worship team, we see that as it grows and new people get involved and jumped in. That's been so cool to watch that grow and become an awesome ministry and place to serve. Uh, the tech team in the back as they deal with me and Mark and others as they share up here, making this experience here in this room the best it can be, and then also the online experience the best it can be. Uh, we see teachers in Sunday school. We see teachers... Um, in Bible studies, we see the hands and feet ministry every Tuesday. I am blessed with lunch because they come here early in the morning and cook soup to send out to people. And it's been such a blessing, one, to enjoy the soup because it's delicious. And two, to be able to be one of the ones that send that out and deliver it and just see faces light up of people who haven't really gotten out in the last year um, get some soup. And so this last, I'll tell this story and I'll keep um, this last week, I was delivering to some people, and they had this dog, and I love dogs, and so this was a blessing for me, because I got to play with their dog for 20 minutes while I was talking with them and getting them some soup, and so it's just such a blessing to, to be involved with that. The Happy Stitchers, if you haven't gotten your bookmark, get your bookmark. Uh, ladies spend a lot of time and effort making those for all of us, and they continue to make blankets and different things for people that need them or would be blessed by them. Uh, you all are doing so great at using what God has gifted you and um, given you talent for. And going back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. These good works, these things that we do, uh, we're called to use our gifts and talents for that reason, for that purpose. And so we have been blessed with those gifts and talents, whatever they may be. Um, and so we need to be using them to serve people, not only in this building, uh, but outside of these walls as well. Last one for ways to strengthen our faith, uh, plugging into small groups or Sunday school. Uh, we have a Bible study that meets every other Sunday here at the church. We have women's groups. The Wonder Woman Bible study is Saturday mornings. There's a ladies Bible study on Wednesday mornings. There are ways to get plugged in and involved. We're working. Um, some of us are working on getting a young adult Bible study started because we can name tons of people who would benefit from something like that. We have youth group. We have children's church. We have all these things to get connected, uh, not only with each other, because fellowship is important, 
but also get connected with Jesus and dive into his word and what he has to teach us that day. And so if you're not involved in a group or Sunday school, and what I think is cool is we've had that one group of Sunday school for so long, and this morning they split. Uh, that means growth. That means good things are happening. I know it used to be three groups, but having two different groups is a good thing. And so if you're not plugged into any of those, be plugged in. If I didn't name the one you're looking for, well, that might be God calling you to lead that. So, um, and if you're interested, talk to me. So those are five things, five works that we can use to strengthen our faith. And like I said before, these things never stop. We never get to a point where we stop praying or we stop reading our Bible um, or we stop going to church or we stop using our gifts and talents or we stop being plugged in. If anything, it's going to look different. As we grow and mature in our faith, these things will look different. I can remember as a kid when I read my Bible, I usually read five verses. Don't ask me why I only read five verses, but I would read five verses and I would just go throughout the thing, thinking someday maybe I would hit the whole Bible. That would probably take most of my life. And so as I've grown and matured and realized how essential that is for me, I have given it more of my time and energy. And that's the thing about a lot of these things. They do take a lot of our time and our energy. Um, but faith without works is dead. Well, as James would say, if we don't do these things, if we're not putting the effort in, if we're not putting our faith into action, it's useless. It means nothing. It's pointless. It's dead. So now we're going to move into talking about uh, works that help others strengthen their faith. And before we do that, I want to talk about just one little thing I loved about James. As we read chapter 2, he uses the word works. And I don't think I have Rex to quiz me, but I'm going to try some Greek on you. The word works is erga in the Greek, meaning works or projects. It's plural. And the singular version is ergon, which is just work or project. I think James did this intentionally because our work is never finished. Our work is continuous. It's supposed to keep going. If we were ever to get to a point where we completed our Christian journey, well, that would be us dying or Jesus coming back. But we are always supposed to be growing. We are always supposed to be learning. We're always supposed to be maturing in our faith. Um, as, as Paul would say, we're running this race. And when we accept this faith in Jesus and follow him, and I, I noticed this morning on the back of our bulletins, the salvation journey begins by believing in Jesus, by turning away from our sins, by confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord, by being baptized, immersed in water, by being faithful to Jesus, by starting this journey, we start this race. And if you've ever been in a race with anybody, if you stop and stand still, what happens? You lose, right? <laughs> you're not running the race. Essentially, if all these people are going forward, you're kind of going backwards because the distance is getting greater between you and them. So we can't stand still. We can't do nothing. If we do, then our faith means nothing. It's useless. So these three things I have that um, are works that help strengthen our faith. The first one is to be a positive example for those who are new to their faith and play an important mentoring role in their life just as someone did for you. The reason each and every one of you are sitting in a pew today is because someone spoke Jesus to you. Whether you were raised in church, whether it was your parents, whether it was a friend that brought you to church, uh, whether someone told you to tune in online and watch church, 
someone introduced this idea to you. You didn't just wake up with the revelation that, oh, you know what? I've never heard of Jesus, but let's go to church. So we have people to thank for being here. I would not be in the role I am today if my youth pastor didn't get a hold of my life and, and mentor me and walk with me through this spiritual journey. Um, as many of you would not be here without that mentorship relationship. So here's my challenge with that one. Those of you that are older, mature in your faith, eating them steak dinners on the regular, um, our job is to help those that have not gotten there yet, that are new to their faith, that maybe have accepted this idea of faith, but they don't know where to go from there. Um, I'm, I'm not in AA, let me just say that first. But one thing I love about AA is they have sponsors. And so when someone new starts in their program, they have a sponsor, someone that has gone through this journey to walk alongside of them and to help them to sobriety. I think that is a, a beautiful way that we need to approach Christianity as well. Yes, we're not alcoholics, but it's the, the whole mentoring relationship. It's walking with someone through this journey. Because nowhere in this book does it say this is easy. Uh, being a Christian is very hard work. It does take time. It does take energy. There is some persecution. There are some hard conversations to have. But this is what we're called to. This is what Jesus called to. And Jesus took the brunt of the sacrifice for us by dying on that cross first. So that's the first one. The second is speaking the truth of God in love to those that don't know him yet. I'm going to say that again because it's a lot of words. Speaking the truth of God in love to those that don't know him, Jesus, yet. I think a lot of us can speak the truth of God to anyone we come across, but maybe it's not always done in a loving way. Or maybe we want to speak the truth in God, and we want to be loving, um, but it's this tight balance. Where we need to speak the truth, as Jesus did and displayed for us, but we need to be loving in how we approach that. And the second part of that is to those that don't know him yet. I used to help out at a camp, and the director would always end the week with, there are two types of people in the world, those that know Jesus and those that don't know Jesus yet. Our job is to reach those that don't know Jesus. And we can't be doing that if every instance, maybe we call ourselves a Christian, but at the gas station they mess up our order and we get mad at them. Or maybe our waitress messed up our order. Or maybe we're getting called by some telemarketer and we just yell at them and hang up the phone. Um, if any of those people were to see that and see that, oh, we call ourselves a Christian, but we're doing this, our actions don't speak to our faith. And so that's just another reason that our faith and our works working together is so important because if we call ourselves a Christian and then they see us doing all this other stuff, well, then they're not going to want to be a Christian either. Um, I, I kind of gave an abbreviated version of this to the Bridge Kids. Uh, I volunteer. I work at a youth center in Kirkland as well. And so we talked about this whole, whole idea of faith and works. And I had one kid say, well, I can just say I'm a Christian and that's good enough. And I was like, well, that's not how it works. There was a refrigerator in the room. So I'm like, if I say I'm a refrigerator, does that make me a refrigerator? And of course, one kid's like, yeah, you're a refrigerator. But it, it does not make me a refrigerator. I can't keep your food cold. I can get rid of it for you if you want to. Um, but I am not a refrigerator. As much as I say I'm a refrigerator, I can get a name tag. I can wear an outfit that looks like a refrigerator. But as much as I say I'm a refrigerator, I can't be a refrigerator unless I keep food cold if I'm an electric thing. I'm not. I'm a human being. God made me to be a human being. But it's that whole point of if we say we're a Christian, 
But we don't do things Christians do, like praying, reading our Bibles, serving other people, helping other people, not cussing out the, the gas station clerk. If we don't do these things, but we say we're a Christian, people aren't going to believe it. And in fact, people aren't going to believe it when other people that are actually living this way and on their faith journey and trying to, to be the best example of Jesus' love to other people, it's going to turn other people off from that. And so in everything we do and everything we say and every interaction, which is a lot of pressure, we need to be living this life uh, that Jesus called us to live. So the first one is to be a positive example for those that are new to their faith and play a mentoring role in their lives. The second is speaking the truth of God and love to those that don't know him yet. And the last one is asking God to change our mindset to see those around us who are vulnerable and marginalized. Um, going back to James chapter 2, verse 15, it says, If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? And so seeking out these people that need, whether it's food or clothing or whatever, but seeking out people that need Jesus and, and sacrificing our time and our energy uh, to minister to them and to love them is essential for this faith journey. Because it goes back to that first one of being a positive example for those that don't know Jesus yet. If we're not doing that, if we're not you know, reaching out to people that may not know Jesus, um, this won't grow. This won't multiply as we've been talking about this year. This will just stay the way it is, and you all will get older, and some of you will leave, some of you will um, meet Jesus, but then this church will close because it will just be us. But when we, we look to those that don't know Jesus and we minister to them and we love them and we bring them into this family, uh, we add to this number, we multiply this number um, to reaching people in this community, people in this world that don't know Jesus yet. I'm going to share a story with you all from my high school years, uh, which looking back was like 15 years ago, and I know for a lot of you that seems like a minute ago for me, that's half my life. Um, so 15 years ago, I was a sophomore in college, and um, I went to a normal high school. It was kind of shaped like a giant square, and it had two floors. I know it doesn't mean much now, but it will make sense once I go to the story. Um, I had a class up on the second floor in this corner, and then my next class was the bottom floor in this corner. And I think, thinking back, I think this was consumer economics and this was health class. I don't know why that would give you any more context to the story, but I just thought. So I'm in consumer economics, and getting ready to leave class, we're all looking at the clock, waiting for it to be over. And I didn't have time to hit the bathroom. I didn't have time to mess around with friends. Um, I didn't have time to go to my locker. And so I had to grab my stuff, walk briskly down the hallway, because if I ran, I would get in trouble and head to health class. And so on this specific day, uh, bell rings, I get my stuff, and I start walking. And we're going down the stairwell, and I see this kid. And he's sitting there, head in his lap, and the stairs had one of those press if you need help on the stairs button, and it was flashing. And dozens of us walked right past him, and I was one of those kids. I, at this point, I was in the church every time the doors were open. Uh, my youth pastor was mentoring me in this whole Christian faith thing. I was all in on this. I, if you were to ask me if my faith was mature when I was a sophomore in high school, I would say absolutely. I, I, I understood what this was all about, the cocky high school. 
So I'm walking down the stairs, and I see this kid. I don't know this kid. He's a quiet kid in school. I think he's a grade below. But I just walk right by, as dozens of us did. And in my head, I'm thinking of excuses. Well, I have four minutes to get to class. It's not worth me getting in trouble over. Um, I don't know this kid. I don't want to make him uncomfortable because he's quiet. And so he already pushed the button. Someone's coming to help him. He'll be fine. And I'm listing these excuses in my head as I head to class. And then I'm sitting there, and it, the Spirit of God, I guess, just grabbed a hold of me. And he's like, you didn't do what I called you to do. And thinking back to the verses that Jesus said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited in. I was sick. You helped me. I didn't do any of those. And back to this whole idea from James, um, I didn't even say anything to him. I, didn't even, I wasn't even like, hey, I hope you find the help you need by pushing that button. I just left him there. And it kept gnawing at me and gnawing at me and gnawing at me until I finally was like, I can't take it anymore. I got to go check on this kid. So I raise my hand and I get the bathroom pass. And of course, they're like, hurry back. Don't do anything you're not supposed to do. But I went to the stairwell and I looked for this kid. The button was no longer pushed and the kid was gone. And so I was like, okay, I have an in with the office ladies. And so I'll go talk to the office ladies and see if they know anything. Maybe I can talk to him. I go to the office, and I ask about him, and they say it. I, they had no idea what I was talking about. So I go to the bathroom. Maybe he found his way to the bathroom after everyone went to class. I went in the bathroom. I didn't see him in there either. And so reluctantly, I went back to class because I, I didn't know what else I could do in that situation. As weeks go by, I start to ask some of my friends that are in that grade about this kid. And I didn't really see him in the hallways anymore. I didn't see him at lunch sitting by himself. Um, no one knew where he was. No one could even tell me the kid's name. I don't know where he is today. I didn't see him in yearbooks. I didn't see him at sporting events. I didn't see him around town. I didn't see him anywhere. And so, so why would I be thinking about that 15 years later? Because that's an opportunity I missed. I don't know where that kid was with Jesus. I don't know if he was going to church. I don't know any of that because I didn't take the time to know. I didn't make the sacrifice to to maybe be late to class to make sure he was okay. Um, I put my own needs ahead of his. And as, as a kid, a, a cocky high school kid who thought he had this whole Christianity thing figured out, I missed that opportunity. And from that day forward, I asked God to change the way I saw people uh, to be able to see those who are vulnerable and need help, even if they need just someone to talk to. Because I don't want to make the same mistake I did 15 years ago. I don't want to make the same mistake I did in high school. I don't want to miss opportunities that I missed back then. And I don't want any of you to either. And so if we're asking God to change our mindset, we're asking a lot from God. It's like if you ask God for patience, he's going to give you patience. It's not in the way you want it. Um, but if we ask God to change our mindset and to see those people around us who, who, one, don't know him yet, and two, really need either if it's money, food, clothes, whatever it may be, um, we need to be there, and we need to see those people. We need to help those people in the right way. Um, fast forward, I was in college, and one of our first weeks on campus, they did kind of an all-guys dorm meeting. And if you didn't show up, you were charged 50 bucks, and so everyone was at this meeting. Um, and they gave you the basic rules of campus, like don't use your mattress as a sled in the winter. Uh, if you go on the roof, it's a $400 fine. I didn't do any of these things, but um, I did the roof. Um, and I have pictures. It was so cool. But don't tell anybody. 
So I, I did, we went through this meeting, and one of the things they said was it's in the heart of Cincinnati, an urban environment, and they were like, if you see someone asking for money, don't give them money. And, and he went on to be like, well, a lot of them are, are fine, they don't need the money, they're just taking advantage of you, or it's fueling addiction. And so that was enough for me, a kid that grew up with horses and chickens and all that kind of stuff, to hear, well, I don't want them taking advantage of the money God has blessed me with um, to use for drugs or alcohol or whatever it be. So I got in this habit of when we went out to eat or went out to the city or something and someone asked for me for money, I just said, no, I'm sorry. And I would just keep going. Um, a couple years after I'm in college, I have this friend and we go to get something to eat. And I go in first and I do the same thing. There's someone sitting out there. He says, hey, do you have a couple bucks? I'm kind of hungry. And I said, no, sorry. Walked in. My friend behind him goes to the same college I do. I think he's a grade above me. Same question asked to him. He's like, oh, sure. I only have $5. Is that enough? He said, oh, yeah, thank you so much. And we get in, and I, I jokingly say, ooh, you're going to get in trouble. You're not supposed to give him money. And he said something to the point of Jesus didn't ask me what his intentions were with this money. He just asked me to give. Oh, that hit me hard. Uh, because there were so many opportunities I missed again that I didn't see these people who needed food, needed something to eat, needed something to drink, and I just said, no, sorry even though God has blessed me with the ability to, to be able to give them money, to be at a, a different place. And so a couple weeks later, me and my friend go to Chipotle. This was a weekly trip for us. And we were walking in, and the same thing happened. He walked in first, and this guy said, hey, I, I'm really hungry. Me and my girlfriend are really hungry. Can you help us out? He said, no, sorry. And I did the same thing. And I walked in, and I stopped in my footsteps, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I almost missed it again. And so I walked back out, and I'm like, let me buy you lunch. What do you want? And they've never been to Chipotle, so we figured it out. I just got them two of what I get and brought it out to them. And then we sat and we ate with this couple. And, and we heard the story. They were um, traveling, and they ran out of gas, and they're kind of just stuck here until they can come up with the money to get out of here. And, um, but I was able to sit there and talk with them about just everything. Uh, how they met, why were they in Cincinnati, all these kind of things. And I walked away knowing I didn't miss an opportunity to show the love of God. Um, but I've missed so many before. And I don't know if there's, if there's times in your lives you're all thinking right now, well, maybe I missed an opportunity. Maybe in high school there was that kid that sat alone at lunch and I, I didn't reach out to him and sit with him. Or, or maybe it's someone at work. Or maybe it's a family member that... Um, really needs us right now and we're not investing in, whatever it is, we need to ask God to change our mindset, to change the way we see the world around us so we see it through his eyes, not our own. Because when we see it through our own, we leave that kid on the stairs. We um, miss the opportunities to minister to homeless people in Cincinnati. We miss opportunities to reach our friends and our family. But when we see things through God's eyes, we see those people we see them for who they are, which are children of the Most High God. And my challenge for you all today as I finish up is I don't want us to miss opportunity. Um, I don't want us to miss this faith journey. And so we need to be invested in church. We need to be praying and reading our Bible. And hey, you're not going to break mine or Mark's heart if this isn't the church for you. I encourage you to find the church that does meet those needs. If we're not meeting those needs, Come and talk to us. We'll help like, make this church what it needs to be. But if this church isn't meeting your needs and you need to go to another Bible-believing church, I encourage you to go. 
Because like I have said several times this morning, we're all unified in this body of Christ. It doesn't matter where you go worship on a Sunday morning. It matters that you are worshiping and you're putting your faith into action. And so one article I read titled this whole passage, Talk is Cheap, Show Me. We can say we're Christians all day long. We can uh, claim to do these things. We can even follow through with some of these good works but not really have the faith to try and trick people into thinking what we believe. But like that said, talk is cheap. We need to show Jesus our love. We need to show him um, we're all in on this thing. Are we going to screw up? Absolutely. But we need to pray and ask God to give us the eyes and the ears to hear and to see those that need him. Because like my director of that camp said, there's two kinds of people in this world. People that know Jesus, there's people that haven't met him yet. Now our job is to reach those that haven't met him yet.